Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We have our first ever male guest on the show. This person is a personal trainer and strength and conditioning coach who runs his own successful business, both online and face-to-face. He is also part of the Keep It Cleaner program, and he runs his own podcast, the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Welcome, Danny Kennedy. Thanks for coming on. Pleasure. Thanks for having me on, girls. I'm looking forward to the chat. Two Dannys. Two Dannys, <laughs> the double Ds. Oh, I'm going to have to call you like Danny one and Danny two, but we are definitely so excited to have you here, Danny two, <laughs> because we <laughs> haven't had a male on the show and, you know, we do get a lot of guys um, put in some requests and I myself, and I'm sure Danny uh, on our own platforms, we get a lot of questions from guys in regards yeah. to um, training in the industry, being a personal trainer, working with females. Um, so it'd be really good to have your perspective and input here. No, I'm looking forward to, to chatting girls. It's going to be good fun. Thanks for having me on. Bring it on. So yeah, how did you, or why did you start working as a personal trainer and getting in this industry in the first place? Yeah, good question. So I, you know, I grew up in, um, in Horsham, which is country Victoria and um, always played footy and basketball. And it, I got to about, I think it was maybe 15 or just before my 16th birthday. And um, one of my basketball coaches just said, you know, you need to get in the gym and start getting stronger because I was I was always like naturally good at cardio and running and I just loved running and it was just all I ever really did, but had never done any form of resistance training, to be honest. And um, so I got in the gym, absolutely hated it initially, like just because it was different to what I was used to. Like I loved just having my heart rate up and, you know, Mm. typical cardio shit. And, um, and after a while, like very quickly, to be honest, like I fell in love with it once I started to see results and, and kind of felt that different, I guess, endorphin feeling that you get from strength training compared to cardio Mm. and was just obsessed. Like I was still playing football and basketball and basketball was kind of my life. But outside of that, I would study and research anything and everything to do with training and nutrition, like just obsessed with it. My own training was starting to go pretty well. I was seeing results and, you know, a mix between trial and error. And like I said, just reading magazines, watching videos and just finding anything that I could read basically and then in year 12, like separate to school, I did my personal trainer certificate just because like in my mind, I was set on playing basketball, but I wanted that just in case that didn't happen. And also I just kind of wanted that certificate so I could then help others out if that, if that kind of eventuated, which obviously it did. And then I uh, finished school, moved to Melbourne for basketball for two years full time. And then um, after an injury, I kind of stepped away from basketball and during the recovery process, I, I started PT full-time and then just realized how much I enjoyed it and fell in love with it. And then, um, and then just saw the opportunity to con- like continue to grow that business. And I, I recognized that that was going to be something that I could do long-term. And, um, and yeah, stepped away from basketball, started building my business as a PT. And, and then since then, I've just kind of continued to do the same thing, really, like branched out to some online coaching, obviously, and a bunch of other shit's happened since then as well, but um, it's really just been much of the same since I started. That was in 2014 mm. when I kind of started properly. Before that, I'd, so like I said, I was qualified for kind of two years, but I didn't have really any time to do it. So I, like most things, didn't want to do it if I couldn't 
do it properly. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how I got into it. Mm, that's amazing. And I think, you know, like you said, 2014 fitness, uh, social media, online coaching, like you've really gone through, I guess that evolution. So did mm. you, when you said that you were jumping on researching, where were you getting a lot of your knowledge from at the start? Well, like to, to be honest, for starters, it was pretty shit out. So I was getting stuff from anywhere and everywhere. So, and this is a problem with, that a lot of people have today is that, you know, on one hand, it's really good that there's so much information that's just readily available. On the other hand, it's not good because you can get your information from very unreliable sources, depending on who you speak to. So a lot of the stuff I was doing, like I made pretty much all the mistakes, which at the time, like it's frustrating, but it's, it's a good thing because I kind of saw what didn't work. And to be honest, when I look at it now, the information that I was getting that was right and that was actually legit is the stuff that I was kind of like just looking at going like, fuck, no chance I'm doing that. Because if, for me, it just wasn't in my eyes what I thought I needed to do all the way like down what? to the Sorry. thing. Oh, like, you know, I was doing, you know, I'm a typical kind of ectomorph type body type. So naturally pretty skinny. And I was doing like lightweight fucking heaps of reps mm. and trying to almost get the same feeling as what I was getting from cardio. Like I was just going for the burn and yeah. someone, you know, once I got a program written up for me by a trainer and, and like I read the program and I saw like an eight rep range and I was like, fucking, there's no chance of doing eight <laughs> reps. I'm like, yeah. I was like, that's not going to do anything. I was like, I'm not even going to be, tired after that like so <laughs> true, literally though like when i like when i think about it now it sounds ridiculous but at the time that's that was my thought process and then nutrition the same like i was avoiding carbohydrates when i needed them badly like um i would feel bad after eating certain things once i got stuck into training properly because i was like you know you're doing all this work and you just you shouldn't be eating this type of shit and then like i moved when i moved to melbourne i was exact same height that i am now and I was roughly 25 kilos less. Mm. And at that point I'd been training for three years and I thought that I was like, I thought I was jacked. I was like, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> seriously, like I was like maybe 63, 64 kilos. Like shit. No, yeah. No seriously. Like, it, was, it, was yeah, <laughs> it was a problem. It was a fucking problem. Yeah. Mm. But at the time, like I just, I was just oblivious to it. And I thought that anything outside of that was just kind of like almost like lazy. Like if I didn't train, I'd feel lazy. I'd get up and go for a run or do some more yeah. work or whatever. Um, so that, oh, I can't even remember what the question was, but that's, uh, that's right. That's generally how this goes. We just love a good yeah. tangent and yeah, good chats. Um, yeah. So I was just making like a, a lot of the mistakes really. So, yeah. um, and then I just saw that like one, now when I look at it, I'm like, Oh, well, so I, I remember your question now, Cheryl. So you asked about the um, who I was getting my my information from. So I went from that to then finding some reliable sources. So, you know, mm. pretty common names that would come up in most people's um, vocabulary, things like, you know, um, Lane Norton, Eric Helms, all yeah, those yeah. kind of evidence-based guys. And that was like an absolute blessing for me because as soon as I found these guys, I really kind of took the amount of time I was putting into reading up on kind of bullshit and just mm. separated from that started going to their seminars um you know paying for their ebooks and, and reading their their articles and actually trying it out and um it was hard initially especially with the nutrition which a lot of people would be able to relate to like going from basically going in the complete opposite direction to what i'd always thought was correct and mm -hmm. allowing time to see the results properly by making sure i was eating enough you know for me that that was tracking macros and knowing that i was like consistently eating enough every single day it was eating more carbohydrates than what i'd ever eaten before it was doing less cardio it was 
you know, so yeah, that initial phase was quite tough. But then after that, and mm. I started to see the results, then I was even, you know, further down the rabbit hole. I was like, all right, now I'm going to just only read up on and study evidence-based nutrition and training stuff and, mm. and started applying that to, you know, a few friends at the time, which who just wanted help with their program. Cause they saw that I, they saw that my body was changing. Cause they knew that I'd gone from, you know, such a skinny person who was training all the time, but not really seeing results to mm. all of a sudden changing my body like drastically. Mm. Um, so that's kind of what led, led me down the path of online coaching, just helping people out initially and then saw it as an opportunity to grow a business from it. Yeah. But yeah so that's who I was getting my information from really at the start. Mm. It's I so interesting. Like- <laughs> you go, you go Sherelle. <laughs> I was going to say, it's so interesting to hear that come from a male. Cause I feel yeah. like it's, like it's such a common thing for females to go through and you would mm. see that as well working with a lot of women and not to be sexist at all but generally it's the other way you know um, there's a lot of bro science out there you know and mm. there's a lot of evidence based and it takes a bit of time to transition and take what you want from one area and then from the other as well but you know I know um, we deal and see with a lot of females that always go through that My, I myself and Danny you know always trying to turn up the volume so to speak do more eat less and think you're going to get the result from that rather yeah. than straight training or high intensity which i know you're into or Mm. you know the meal plan phase and i think it is the evolution of like you said education there's so much out Mm. there um but those good resources and the evidence-based community is really coming through with the goods and it's allowing more people to not go through that transition that we all went through yeah yeah but even like yeah and i even see it now and i'm sure you guys see the same thing too even with the evidence-based nutrition and training stuff you can still eventually create really bad habits with that like mm-hmm. i have a lot of clients now so like i initially when i was doing nutrition with clients i would um you know figure out their macros and then i would write them a, a, a nutrition plan going off the foods that they like to eat and and give them a nutrition plan suited to that super easy very attractive to people who want to do it because they don't have to think mm-hmm. but then after like 12 to 18 months i was like is almost defeats the purpose of what I'm trying to do. Like I, although it's not a good business model, I basically want my clients to not need me. So then I pretty much just said like, yes, I know I could be making a lot of money off people getting program uh, nutrition plans, but I'm not doing them from now on. So not for anyone, like I'm not doing nutrition mm. plans at all. And you know, whether or not you agree with that, I don't know. But like, I was like, I don't want people to have to rely on me to read off a sheet of paper, what they can and can't eat for the day, because that's not what I'm trying to teach them. And it, continues to create this unhealthy relationship with food even if they're seeing results even if it is they're eating the right amount what all that type of shit if they're following their macros it is good but they're still they still have no idea what they're doing or why they're doing it so and and i find the same the same type of thing can happen with the training as well you almost get too hooked up on what's evidence-based and it's not optimal for you so like you know you read this article and it'd be like you should be training each muscle group X amount of times per week, following this rep range, going to the gym this amount of times. And this is because so-and-so said this. And you're like, all right, well, that's evidence-based. I've got to start doing that. But but you've got like a fucking job where you can only train four times a week or you don't like doing squats, but it says squats is the best lower body exercise or whatever it is. So I think that's where I feel I kind of use a bit of a mix between evidence-based training and nutrition principles, but also apply it to people who... For you know, majority of the people that I work with aren't competitors. I've actually stopped mm. working with competitors altogether now. But they're, whether they're a professional athlete, whether it's a gen pop, whether it's someone who loves their training or whatever it is, it has to be sustainable to them. So even though there may be an optimal approach over here, 
for this person, that could be the furthest thing from optimal. So we're not going to bother with it. Mm-hmm. So even on paper, even on paper, it seems like it's the best option. It may not be for them. So it's all about just making sure it's the right approach for you. Um, you have to enjoy it. I mean, I don't care who it is. Like even when I was competing, there'd be programs that I'd follow. I could think about it now. Like there's programs that I'd followed in some of the preps I did, which I just hated. And the, but the thing is training was the best part of my day, but I hated my program. Mm-hmm. Whereas there was other preps where I loved the training sessions I was doing. I, I genuinely looked forward to it all the way up until the week of the show, which is how I think how it should be. Cause in the end of the day, like the reason you got into it is cause you like training and you want to feel good. You don't want to, the best part of your day shouldn't be the day, the part of your day where you're the whole way, the whole day, sorry, you're thinking about how shit it's going to be. Yeah. So I think it's just really important to make sure it's a, an approach that is enjoyable, obviously effective, but something that you're going to be able to, to stick to. Because if you can't stick to it, then it's the furthest thing from optimal. Absolutely. And I love um, back at the start of that point where you said you don't want people to rely on you. And although it isn't the best business model, because we can all make a quick buck off someone by playing with their emotions, but that's what separates the best people in this industry. Those who genuinely want to educate who they're working with to be able to feel confident and go do it on their own. I mean, there are enough people out there that need help. We don't need to try and trick people into clinging onto our programs um, and then not teaching them anything like that's not but, what this is about at all. Not at all. Like a lot of trainers say that they, they're in the industry to help people, but are you really in the industry to help people if you're literally just trying to make money or mm-hmm. are you in the industry to help people to look like you're helping people, but as long as they continue to pay you. I mean, exactly. obviously we need to make money and I'm not fucking stupid. Like I spend most days figuring out how I can make more money, but I'm trying to do it in like an ethical way and and a way that I wish that I was taught when I started. If I can get rid of like all the steps that I, where I made mistakes and, you know, give people the knowledge that I've found. And cause I genuinely think like I look at people that have been in the gym for years, like, and I'm sure you guys see the same stuff. You see people who have been in the gym for years or trying different diets and shit for years. And you think to yourself, if only you knew this and it'd Mm. take you about, it'd take me about a week to explain this shit to you. And your whole life has changed. You realize yeah. that you've been wasting so much time and all that time you are putting in is now going to be effective. You're going to use it properly. So I think, yeah, again, I forgot the memory of a goldfish. I don't even know what the question was, but that's what I'm trying. No, but you raised so many good points. And I think it's just the world we live in. Like, you know, you said it's such an oversaturated place and everyone wants it now. They're not mm. willing to put in the work. And this is why, you know, we're very open about our thoughts about certain challenges and stuff like that and meal plans. And, you know, they serve a purpose, but they mm. don't teach you anything at the end of the day. And just like mm. Danny said, there's enough people out there that need the help. You know, yep. we don't need a recreate create this reliance model um or like this reliance to a meal plan or a way of eating or a way of training because the best way is the way that you can sustain for a long enough period of time yeah or on the complete opposite spectrum people just want purely evidence-based and it has to be the best and it has to be perfect but that paralyzes them and they don't take any action so danny i love how you have a mixture of both sort of evidence-based but then also training that will allow them to enjoy it as well so it's Mm. very important yeah as well and and i think the other part of that is that with the evidence-based stuff is that the whole purpose of that and if you're a coach or if you're someone who is just uh, loves the gym and you're following evidence-based approaches is that the whole purpose of that is the fact that 
there's evidence behind it. So on the other hand, you have people who, you know, say, say flexible dieting or tracking macros, whatever. I'm a big advocate of that. But tomorrow, if a, a, if a bunch of research came out tomorrow that showed otherwise, then I then have to be willing to then change and mm. adapt to that. Otherwise, there's, you're not really evidence-based at all. You're kind of just doing what you think is the best and what you like. So, I mean, yeah. people get stuck in a way, particularly with, particularly with trainers. And I mean, you see this over and over and over again, like trainers who think their way is the only way. And then they're not even willing. They're just completely closed-minded to any other approach um, because they think that their way works the best. So I kind of just like, I stay up to date as much as I can with all the evidence-based stuff. Like I, you know, subscribe to research papers and all that stuff. And I'm reading that often to make sure that if there is something that I'm doing that now has been proven wrong or proven that there's a better way to do it, that I can adapt and, and start to implement that um, as well. Mm. Yeah, it's all, all trial and error. And I think if you weren't that type of person, if we weren't those type of people, we would still be at that square one. You'd still be 60 yeah. kilos. You know, you wouldn't be adapting or changing new ways or taking on new sources of education. And like you said, um, I'm a big advocate on, you know, there's optimal and there's practical. And, mm. you know, I've always been that practical, you know, like with shift work and night duty and stuff like that. Sometimes optimal isn't realistic. And more often than not, like if you're a mum, if you've got children, you know, not having that perfect training split like if you can still make it work mm-hmm. definitely there's that's a thing i th- i think um that's the uh, what well, the other uh, what i was going to try to say before is i usually can't um usually no good at remembering what sayings are meant to be but i think it's sorry Cheryl makes up her own one every single episode she makes up a new saying and because <laughs> she said she's from the country she's like yeah no we say this in the country i'm like oh i don't know <laughs> Daddy gets me. Daddy gets me. You know, yeah, yeah, taking yeah. fishing, that sort of stuff. Do it. Do it. <laughs> on out there. I mean, a paralysis by analysis is, I think, what I was trying to say. Yeah. Is yeah. I mean, like, you're that hung up on, um, on the research or on what you should be doing or what the new yeah. thing is, blah blah blah, that you just never fucking implement anyway. It's mm, like, yeah. I, you know, uh, running my own business. Like, I am really big into personal development now. Like, I love that stuff. And I used to, would never read a book. There's zero chance I'd used to read a book. And then I read one or two that really kind of like changed that. Like I really started to like reading certain books, obviously. Um, And I found myself to the point where I was just reading one book and starting the next and starting the next or listening to one podcast and listening to the next or audio book and going to seminars and all this type of shit, but never implementing any of the stuff that I've read or, or, absorbed from these seminars and i think that's what happens you look at um particularly personal development but even like things like expos and stuff for example right Mm -hmm. you go to an expo and you see all this really cool stuff or you see a competitor that's doing really well or you go and talk to someone who gives you help and advice but it's just all hype you just like you're just motivated because you're there it's like when you watch a good movie and after you like you watch rocky and you're like fuck yeah i want to go and fight someone (laughs) and then within a few hours, like by the next day, that's, that's well and truly gone. So I think if you're constantly just absorbing content, absorbing evidence-based stuff or absorbing information from all different types of people and never implementing, then it's just useless. So yeah. now I kind of make the habit of, if it is reading a book, I'll read it and, and take the points out of it that I, that I want to take and then take some time to implement those first before I then go and read something else. Otherwise, what's the point? Hundred percent. I've definitely been in that boat. I spent a good year just doing random courses and, as you said, reading books. When you feel productive at the time, and I used to post on my story, "Yeah, I'm doing all this and that," 
but it didn't equate to any growth in business because I wasn't actually taking action. So once you recognize that, then it's like, all right, one thing at a time. And it's that discipline after the hype wears off. That's the most important to actually start to apply what you are learning. Mm. It doesn't have to be something massive. It can just be one small change, but then that will all add up over time. It's funny what you talked about at the start about who I was getting my information from. Like I, I used to like scroll through Instagram or go through YouTube or magazines and see all different types of people that I kind of like, like aspired to kind of look like or be like or, or achieve what they were achieving. And then that was the same thing. Like you'd go through and you'd see that, you know, so-and-so is doing this with their training and you'd be like, Oh, maybe I should start doing that. And then the next week you'll scroll through and someone's doing something different. So then you start changing that again. And it's the same thing. So like I actually started taking, taking in less content once I found the right content, because I was like, yeah. I've found the right content. That's it now. Like it's obviously, like I said, if, if new shit comes out, it comes out and you, and you absorb it. But if I have figured out how, I want to eat in a way that is sustainable and a way that works for me and is that effective, then why would I then keep continue going through trying to find different ways to do it yeah. when, when you've already found a way that works? And I, you know, so stop, like I unfollowed a fuckload of people on social media yeah. that I was following beforehand because all of a sudden, like the way they look or whatever and how they achieve that means nothing to me anymore because I've found what works for me. So yeah, that can great. be really important too. Yeah. I think it's, you know, that's something I'm big on is like, don't try and fix what isn't broken. And I think a lot of people try and do that with their nutrition and training. Like, oh, macros should change. Or as a coach, I feel like a lot of the time coaches feel like they have to give a new program or new whatever to to just feel like they're doing something. And it's like, if it's working, like don't try and fix it because we are very aware how crucial habit formation and behaviors actually you know determines the long-term result not what they do in that four-week training block it's sort of like well then what goes on from there it's crazy like when i get check-ins from from online clients and they'll be like you know this week nailed you know consistency out of 10 was like nine out of ten blah blah blah. hit my water intake macros six out of seven days training was really good feeling fucking amazing what should we change next week yeah yeah are you shitting me i'm like or even better it's like it's like macros yeah didn't hit them sleep shit house didn't hit water um yeah. what are we changing yeah, yeah exactly like, yeah, exactly level, <laughs> level of consistency with nutrition five out of ten should we change macros next week um, <laughs> yeah. maybe you should just stick to them next week yeah so in saying that obviously you mentioned you went through a lot of trial and error which i think we all have um what have you found that has worked for you in terms of nutrition and training yeah, so as I touched on with nutrition, I'm big on knowing your numbers. Like I often refer to nutrition and training, but particularly in nutrition, it's kind of like being the CEO of your own body. Like you kind of need to know your numbers. Mm. And it doesn't necessarily have to mean that, you know, if I'm aiming for X amount of calories and certain macros that every single day I hit them exact, because that's very rarely the case. And like, I don't really yeah. care for hitting them exact. But if I'm roughly at my numbers, so if I know that to, to lose body fat, I need to be eating this amount. And obviously that changes over time, but I know how many calories I need to eat. Um, I know the amount of protein that I should be aiming for as a minimum. Macro, you know, with carbohydrates and fats, I've over the last year or so, I've kind of gradually weaned off worrying too much about what those exact grams are for a couple of reasons. One, because I'm not competing anymore and I really don't care about exactly what my body, and I'm not trying to get completely peeled anymore. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I, I mean, 
it's energy. It's energy is energy. If I find that like I respond well to high carbohydrates, naturally I'm going to eat more anyway. So regardless of whether it's fucking 400 grams of carbs and 50 grams of fat or the opposite way around, it doesn't matter as long as my intake is, is roughly the same. So yeah, knowing my numbers with calories and protein, water intake's huge. Um, I do rotate like food sources quite a bit, I guess, like not purposely, but I just don't, there's no kind of foods or drinks that's off limits. I just think being completely restrictive or cutting anything out of your diet that you know you can't go the rest of your life without is just setting yourself up for a shit show down the track. Um, in saying that, like, like a lot of people that are probably listening to this, I tend to stick to very similar foods anyway. And majority of my food is nutrient dense, obviously. And and I'll, you know, if I, if I get invited to go out for dinner or whatever, I'm not going to say no, because it's food that I wouldn't usually eat or because it's food that's seen as bad or whatever. I'll just Mm -hmm. account for it. And that's something that I try and teach my clients is that you should be, you know, for the majority of people, like that aren't competing, obviously. Um, you should be your your life shouldn't revolve around your food. Your food should revolve around your life. So I just find that sure. extremely important. And there's just so many people that are, are worried about tiny little details, yet the major details are not taken care of. I mean, if you took care of, you know, whatever the saying is, again, fuck up saying, but eighty <laughs> percent of your results are from twenty percent of what you do. Mm-hmm. Whereas every, most people are worried about the eighty percent of shit that is not going to have a massive impact on what they're doing. Yeah. So that's kind of my approach with nutrition. Keep it very flexible and just easy to adapt. Like there'll be days where I'll eat the same amount of meals. There'll be other days where if I'm busy at work, it'll be all over the place. And yes, it may not be optimal in terms of how much protein distribution or whatever it's been or what type of foods I've chosen. But as long as it's consistent, I'm not too fast. Mm-hmm. With training, um, like I actually enjoy cardio. So I like I like running. Um, I don't never do cardio. I never do cardio to burn energy like i do yeah. cardio because i like going for a run or it's a yeah. nice day outside and i like the feeling after i go for a run or whatever just especially because i come from a sport background yeah but majority of the time like i'll be lifting kind of I, I target each muscle group twice per week um most of the time i'm following kind of like a push pull leg split really um at the moment that's that's kind of what i'm doing it's a little bit all over the place just in terms of not having full access to a gym obviously with with um corona and stuff but Mm. um push pull legs usually either that or i'll do kind of like an upper lower and then a push pull legs so a five day split instead um i just love training in the gym so like there's probably times where i should be taking deloads or times where i should probably not be in the gym as much but it's like like i enjoy it so so i'll do it um the goal for me at the moment really like I'd, i had a pretty big surgery in feb so i'm kind of pretty much at the end of rehab now but obviously as well not having access to a full gym has slowed things down a little bit in terms of how much muscle i've been able to gain back mm-hmm. um but so the goal for me now is to kind of just get back to the point where i'm injury free lifting like i mentioned following a seamless five or six day split putting on some size again but still staying at like a, a a good body fat percentage where if I want to get really lean, it's only kind of like a month or two away. Uh, um, yeah. But also not stressing really at all about it. That's good. Um, and yeah, so I actually like when I'm trying to lose fat, I'll actually do less cardio to be honest. I'll just, the only thing that really changes for me regards to like, depending on whether I want to gain muscle mass or lose fat is obviously the discipline and the, amount of calories that i'm eating like discipline in terms of how close i am to my intake every day and then also when i like i do more cardio when i'm trying to gain muscle because i'm not 
because I because I like going for a run. When I'm trying to lose fat, I'll like make sure that all of my energy is used on being in the gym and lifting and expending my energy that way. And I use the cardio yeah. as a use cardio as a tool. Like I don't. I'm pretty big on trying to get people to understand that cardio is not like doesn't equal fat loss. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, oh, like it's a, tool. it's a tool. Like I I did this case study a while back just to show just to prove a point. Like I I if I can did a half marathon. And before the half marathon, I'd, I'd recently finished a prep. So during prep, I'd been oh. like, uh, during prep, I think I got to a maximum of like maybe 30 minutes of cardio a week, which was just some hit stuff at the end of one or two of the sessions. Mm. And then I did this half marathon, which we ended up doing whatever, two or three hours a week or whatever of running. We didn't actually do that good of a program, but it was fuck God more than what I had been doing. And I purposely ate in the surplus the whole time to gain weight. And I mean, it didn't do much for, for me in terms of running because it fucking made it harder. But yeah. it showed people that doing hours of cardio, I've gained weight still. And it kind of yeah. like, people was like, wow, like how? It's just, yeah. I, I just want people to try and understand that to, you just need to, you need to focus on your energy balance regardless yeah. of how that's achieved. If you like cardio, do cardio for fat loss. That's fine. But you still should be doing resistance training. If you don't like cardio, the, the the leanest I've ever been in my life was after a prep with zero cardio. I did not yeah. do any, but yeah. I was doing quite high volume sessions. So exactly. I was doing cardio really like I was like, my heart rate was through the fucking roof for mm. 60 to 90 minutes, but, yeah. but I didn't do any direct cardio and that's been a good thing with my business anyway. And that's probably one thing that, um, as I don't compete anymore and I haven't really tried to get like shredded for ages purely because I've just been fucking recovering for the last couple of years, it seems like every time I get back to a good spot, I have like an injury or whatever. But mm. the good thing about being able to document the journey when you do try and get lean is you can just show people that like, there's not that much to it. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. the difference between people that are, that are, you know, where you want to look like and what you, you look like now, if you're not happy with how you look is probably just the fact that you're just not disciplined enough or you're not consistent yeah. enough with your habits and you don't have the right habits in place. And so I kind of, I'm pretty big on, on, creating habits too is like the small wins are what like the small wins done consistently well like over a consistent period of time is what equals those big results so it's not like major changes for me it's not anything drastic it's just small changes the doing the boring shit day in day out to make yeah. sure that the big result happens yeah I, I think people are they expect it to all be exciting and you know it has to be different every time and the exercises have to change but no you're right it is the boring shit that you have to do every day just like brushing your teeth. There's no emotion to it. It's not exciting, but you just have to do it. Um, yeah. It's like you look yeah. at some of the group, you know, and like look at a lot of the group training gyms at the moment. I mean, like I, I, I'm not, not a fan of group training gyms because I reckon it's a great thing how people eventually get into, a lot of people get into fitness through group training because they yeah. wouldn't do it themselves. So that's fucking awesome. Mm. But in saying that, like 80% of the program, like the programming is absolute trash. But you look at a lot of these places and like, the stuff they're doing in there, it's like trying to reinvent the wheel. And I'm like, there's a very good reason why like the, like the main group of exercises are still the main group of exercises because yeah. they fucking work. Yeah. And if, you know, jumping on a bosu ball was that effective, it would have been done 20 years ago and we'd still be doing it now, but it's not because it's yeah. shit exercise. So yeah, um, yeah like, like I said, sticking to the boring stuff, it's, it's like the same as anything. It's, business it's whatever yeah. it's, it's doing the small things that everybody knows about everyone's always wondering what the secret is there's mm -hmm. no secret there's no nothing that like successful people are doing that you're not mm -hmm. it's just the fact that they're willing to do the things that you're not willing to do 
for longer as well. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, what you said there is, you know, if it's sexy, it sells. And that's why everyone yep. has a method or a principle or a way of eating or seven or, steps to oh, do this in four weeks. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, what's sexier sells. And that's why, you know, if you ever see those words like this method or this, you know, way of living or eating or whatever, you know, they're not reinventing the wheel or redefining energy balance or human movement or biomechanics. It's all the same principles sold and marketed in a, um, a more sexy way for you to spend the money on, so to speak. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, and you don't blame them because like it's, no. it's, it's, it's how you make money. It's how you build, sell a product. It's how you sell anything. You've got to make it attractive, but it doesn't change the fact that it's all the same. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what was the big turning point in your business? I mean, like you do work with some pretty high profile people. Um, I had a little stalk, you know, Will Sparks, Melbourne DJ, some athletes as well, Dyson Heppel, Michael yeah. Pym, like, yeah. How did you sort of get involved with people like that? Um, I guess there was a couple at the start. I mean, I met Klimi a year or two into becoming a PT just through a mutual friend and him and I got along quite well. And I started helping him with his training and nutrition. He was getting ready for a, um, a men's health cover shoot or something like that. So I, I kind of did his little prep for that. And then, yeah, we just got along really well. And, and every time he was in Melbourne, I would train him. So now him and I are really close friends and um, that was good. Obviously, I mean, social proof is everything with, with any business. Like if you, if you can prove that your work, you know, I mean, as annoying as it is, some it's a mix between who you know and what you know. I mean, you can yeah. know you can know very good connections and still be shit at your job and still never equate to anything. But I mean, like if you're if you're providing a good service and you are working with people who do have a following or whatever, then yeah, it's gonna work. So um and and like I never there was never really like I've never tried to just purposely work with people who have a following. Like regardless of whether you have a good following or whether you're famous or whether you're a pro athlete or not, like it's still all the same methods. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, back to the question, uh, work with Klimi for a bit. And then, um, as I said, like one of my kind of main, oh, one of my interests is working with athletes as well as obviously a lot of my clientele now is, is female, but I love working with athletes just that a lot of the time they're in season. So you can't really base your whole business around working with them all year. Um, mm. unless you want to become like a team, team coach, whatever, which is not what I wanted to do, but I started, uh, I did an off season with, um, Scotty Pendlebury in um in one of the afl off seasons and then same thing him and i become good mates and i end up doing a few off seasons with him which obviously mm-hmm. helps a lot when you're working with someone like such a good athlete um which a very well known athlete as well and then end up working with a bunch of different afl guys like dyson um and, and a heap of other guys and then um yeah started doing a few working with a few people who had like just social followings that were kind of like i guess you'd say influencers or whatever um and then once i guess once you're in like a bit of a network you end up meeting other people as well i mean yeah. like i started training who's a good friend of mine now but mitch orville um i don't know if you've seen any of the angry dad videos back in the day yeah, but yeah, they were so good. funny and popular <laughs> but mitch and i are great friends and then you know through yeah. mitch i kind of I kind of through mitch met will and now will and yeah. i are great friends and um and you know not to not to fucking blow my own horn but like i was actually like good at what i did and got them results so Mm. You know, and I've never, ever, ever worked with any of these type, like, I guess, kind of well-known people and asked them to post anything about our sessions. I mean, yeah. if I even, when I started working, I can't remember who it was, someone, I'd reached out to someone because someone had tagged me in their post saying that they wanted help. 
Mm-hmm. And I reached out and just said, look, I'll, I'm more than happy to help you, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, all right, cool. Um, let me know if like, do you want me to, in return, I'll put up a post or whatever. I'm like, like, give it time. I was like, let's wait a couple of months, see if you like it, see if you get results. Yeah. And if you do get results then yeah, sure. Like I'd fucking, that's, that'd be awesome. Mm. But once you, yeah, once you start working with a few people that have a good following, I mean, that kind of just, it's just a bit of a snowball effect. You end up meeting a few more people. And, and yes, yeah, so I've been really lucky to work with some really cool people. And the, the main thing is, is that like a lot of these people that I have worked with that do have a following or that are kind of well-known is that they're all just been really great people. I've just been lucky yeah. to work with people that I genuinely get along well with. And it's, it's most of them has turned out to be more than just like a client PT kind of relationship. Like we've ended up, spending time together and become close mates and they've been good people and um and yeah so it's been fun yeah that's really cool and i love how you said whether they're a pro athlete or just you at one of your everyday females that you work with it's the same methods as well so that's really cool yeah the degree of discipline and the degree of attention to detail changes a lot whether it's jen pop or whether it's someone like scott penderbury who's an elite athlete or whatever but the principles are the same. Like all the methods are very much exactly the same. Um, and that's another good thing, like being able to show people that, you know, here you've got some guy who's like captain of an AFL club following exact same nutrition principles as I've just given to so-and-so who's just rocked up to the gym today for their first ever session. Like it's the same, good. same stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Makes it more relatable and people feel as though they can actually do it then because a lot of what we see on social media appears to be unattainable to the everyday person. So it's really cool for people like yourself to highlight while they're not really doing anything different. Yes, they might be more disciplined, um, but Mm. the principle is still the same. Exactly right. Mm. You, You touched on there that you work with a lot of female clients. So you know, is there any advice that you would give to other male trainers in, I guess, building up a good rapport um, or a good network of female clients? Um, I think the first thing is getting females into the gym because a lot of the time, a lot of the clients that I've worked with and continue to work with now, when we started, had never really been to the gym. You know, now I'll get some that, that have, have a good training um, background or whatever, but a lot of the time the girls are just can be it can be quite intimidating to get into the gym so the first thing is making like um danny as you mentioned like making it relatable like the content that i'm putting out is breaking things down to make it to to explain like how basic and simple it really is make it kind of like you still need to make it um, not only attainable but what's the word i'm trying to think of um attractive i guess so like you it sounds sounds bad when you put it like this, but you got to try and figure out people's pain points. Like if you mm. if you know that that um, a lot of girls want to change the shape of their body, whether it's one they want to grow their glutes or whether they want to reduce their body fat, you need to be able to get their attention first by you know like putting out content that relates to that. Not just you know this is a thing that I changed a bit as well. Like I used to put out a lot of content. Sounds a bit fucking floggish, but put out a lot mm. of content about myself lifting and stuff. But then when I kind of figured out that my main target market was females, yeah, started just posting a lot of content about my clients that I was training and what they were doing. Because even though like I might've been happy with how I was looking or there might've been a certain amount of people in my um, like audience that liked watching me train, um, a girl's not going to come and look at me doing bicep curls and go, fuck yeah, I'm going to go train with Danny. <laughs> yeah, 100%. But if I'm posting like a video of a client doing like a, a you know, say a, a hard glute set with a hip thrust or a video explaining how to break down a squat or, or explaining the importance of lifting weights or explaining how easy nutrition is or showing 
and just being consistent with this, like whether it's podcasts with females, whether it's emails, and it doesn't always have to be with females too. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. I've had guys like Brett Contreras come on the show and he's awesome. like talked us through like glute training. And I'm like, there would be girls who listen to that and then take a lot away from that. And then so, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess, to, fucking hell, I'm horrible at answering questions. But to answer the question, content has to be relatable it has to has to um, also be something that can is actually attractive to them in the first place to get them there, and then yeah. you need to be able to you need to be able to get results too, mm-hmm. and it just needs to be put in a way that explains it properly and and um and you know there's still girl like there'll be girls that that don't want to come in and just do like weights the whole session, right. so like I'll have like a few benchmark lifts that we try and work on that I think is really important maybe a squat a deadlift or whatever it is. And then after that, we'll do some more shit. If they love doing cardio, then even for me, I might not think it's that necessary for what they want to achieve. I might throw in some shit towards the end of the session that like yeah. gets, gets them leaving the gym feeling like they've done what they wanted to do. But I guess the other part of it is educating them. One big yeah. thing, regardless of whether you're trying to teach females or males, that I find really important, and I got taught this kind of early on from um, a, a really good trainer, is when you're working with a client, you need to explain why you're doing what you're doing or what it's doing and just always show that you are you are the professional like you're the you're the one there that's teaching them and and help them understand similar to the nutrition if you're if i'm seeing someone two to three times a week and they're getting results but if they went to the gym they wouldn't know what to do by themselves then fuck what's the point like they Mm -hmm. shouldn't need to pay me every time to come and get a good training session like so i kind of go out of my way to teach them how to lift properly um, make sure that it's not like a, a rush, like they're not they're not they're not expecting things to happen overnight. Yeah. But also like explain it and and educate them as we go and and um and just build up their confidence because confidence is such a big thing. Mm-hmm. And particularly with females, if you can get a female that's confident in the gym and that starts to enjoy it and wants to be there, then they're, they're going to see so much more benefit. Absolutely. I, I guess um you know for Danny and myself, we both love training. I know a lot of our audience you know do as well. We're in the gym, and it, it's really an eye opener as well because that there is still so much stigma and um around females getting in the gym. There still is a lot mm. of resistance, and there yeah. still is that um you know lifting weights will make you bulky. And for me, I was like, surely that's not a thing that people think anymore. But you know, you are yeah. a product of the bubble that you surround yourself in, and you know us being very much um like lovers of training mm. you don't see that side so i'm sure you definitely do yeah 100 percent. and like even with my my girlfriend danielle so there's three of us now oh you're kidding what a name <laughs> sherelle you have to change your name yeah. you're way behind the eight ball now i don't my... even know what name this is sherelle but yeah, come on. <laughs> it must be a country name <laughs> oh, oh it's not horsham okay yeah, it's yeah fair, fair. <laughs> um but yeah, with Danielle, like she, when she came to me, she'd never really done much training at all. Had done a bit of cardio stuff, but like definitely wouldn't have wanted to go to the gym and lift weights. Mm-hmm. Now, like I'm putting together some ridiculously hard sessions for her and she loves it. And I mean, like her body shape, she's so happy with how her body looks like her body shape has changed a lot. She like, she, we barely do any cardio. We're like, we've been doing some running lately just cause we enjoy it. And it's been good for like during lockdown but like I've been able to show her that you don't need to to do a bunch of cardio and and like you shouldn't be scared of doing weights. And I always say like to people that is that are, have that reasoning as to why they're not doing strength training. I'm like, fuck, if it was that easy, like I would be fucking jacked. Like yeah. I've been doing weights fucking almost every day since I was 16, and you can't. And the That's thing is, well, like a lot. If of only it was that easy. Seriously, oh, we wish. Oh, Jeez. How good would that be? But I mean. 
I, I get um, like the comment a lot as well, like from girls that say, you know, I started doing weights and I felt like my thighs are getting bigger or I started doing weights and I felt like my clothes weren't fitting as well. I'm like, mm. all right. So you got to, you got to kind of reverse engineer a bit. So you're doing, you're doing weights now, but like, what were you doing beforehand? Were you doing endless amounts of cardio beforehand? Where are you now eating more because you're actually burning proper energy and you're more hungry and you're not putting any attention to detail with your nutrition. So are you in a calorie surplus? Are you blah, 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 blah. Once you get all the, the, places like in order once you get everything kind of aligned like your nutrition and your and your training and give it time then that that kind of whole like stigma i think wears off and that's the most important thing when you are training females is to have them stick in there long enough to see the results yeah give it it to say to say them at the start say hey look give me a month give me two months (laughs) and then then i don't give a shit how annoyed you are for the first few weeks fucking i don't want to hear about it Mm -hmm. but just trust me and and give it time. And then when you see the results, you'll, you'll be, you'll be thanking me once you see the results. Yeah. You just got to stick it out. And I think as well, you know, there's a reason why all of us girls that regularly lift live in crop tops and sports clothes, clothes feel tight. They're not built for girls with muscle. Do you know what I mean? Like how many times do you have pants and like you need two belts to hold them up, but then they're tight on your quads or your glutes. Yeah. It's impossible to find good jeans. Impossible. Everything feels tight. Mm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I think people get bulky, quote unquote, if they start lifting but then don't have their their nutrition matching that because a lot of people think oh, I'm trying to build muscle, I'll just eat more. So then they are eating in a surplus. They think they've gained muscle, but it is not that easy. It's actually body fat. So the only way to really appear thicker and bulkier from lifting weights is actually all in your diet. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And then of course the elephant in the room as well. You know, I had a client send me a photo of a girl on Instagram um, who was absolutely shredded a few weeks out from comp and being like, whoa. And I'm like, performance enhancing drugs are so prevalent in the industry. Like girls Mm. aren't going to blow up and gain all this muscle mass um, in a natural way. Like, yes, (laughs) fat matters. Like when you're really lean, you can look bigger on Instagram. Like a lot of people meet me in real life. They're like, Oh, you're not as big as I thought. Mm. And it's like, yeah, well, when you're looking at like, you know, a little square, of Mm. course. So, you know, what you see on social media as well. And even in magazines, you know, Photoshop, it's not necessarily real life. Yeah. No, majority of it's not. I mean, think of the amount of times that you've taken a shit photo of yourself and go, this will fucking look good on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like it's, very, it's not going to happen. I mean, yeah, exactly. it's always people's best angle. It's always people's best look. I mean, there's photos from the last time I competed and I like, look, like I look ridiculous. My back looks insane. And I'm like, I am now, you know, five, six kilos heavier, mm. like still like for the average person is still pretty lean at the moment. But like, if I took a photo in the exact same pose or whatever, I would look way worse now. But mm. in actual fact, I've got a lot more muscle mass than what I had there. Cause it's yeah. just that that's the illusion of losing body fat. Like you, you, when you can see the shape, you look a lot bigger than what you are. And, and like you said, Cheryl, like a lot of the time, these big influences or big personalities, I guess, in the industry are, you know, like in the end of the day, it's like, it's everyone's choice. But the pro- the thing is, it's not, it's not like it's a, a bad thing, but the, the only thing that I don't necessarily agree with or don't think is that ethical is when these people are either deny using it or mm. or whether they're just like they act as if they don't or like they're yeah. selling they're selling programs to people or something they've got a, say, so you got someone who's got like a fucking hut, you got someone that's like a, a got a million instagram <laughs> followers clearly on the gear 
and they're selling like an online online program going follow my program and all the impressionable yeah. all these impressionable yeah. people go like fuck i look like that i'm gonna yeah. buy their mm-hmm. program not mm-hmm. once have they ever ever and i never would mention that they're using anything which you know mm-hmm. whatever but you can't sell sell stuff to people under the impression of if you do this you will get my results yeah and that's what the industry is built off and that's a pet mm. hate of mine it's like i don't give a shit what anyone does you know everyone's entitled to their own decisions but don't pretend like you don't or don't claim that it's these amino acids or this fat burner or this waist trainer or whatever that's given you that yeah. that unattainable result because you know we know that instilling um fear and guilt and shame in people is what makes them throw money right? Like it's what makes them go to programs and supplements and things like that. If they're like, Oh, well, I want to look like that because I'm Mm. insecure about how I look. So that's going to do that when I guess you don't know what you don't know. And we can all sit here and be like, Oh yeah, well that's clearly that they're on Anavar or whatever it might Mm. be. But it, that's not that like most people can't do that. Yeah, exactly. Right. I suppose that's why we're here on these platforms, just spreading our message and hopefully one day people will continue to become more educated and wiser and not expecting the quick fix. So although there is still a lot of it out there, like all we can do is just keep being authentic in our service um, and our message. Exactly. Uh, It's awesome. It's good. You got to put out good content and if it's there, people will eventually find it. And you know, even if it does take them a little while to sift through all the bullshit, I mean, We've all, all been through it too. So, I mean, if I, if I could go and listen to a lot of the podcasts or watch a lot of the YouTube videos and shit that I could, that I can now when I first started, like you'd save yourself a lot of time. Yeah. Or if someone yeah. had said to me, here's a list of people to go and read and listen to all their shit. I mean, and that's, that's, that's the beauty of, like I said at the start, it's kind of good and bad now. Like the fact that you can like so easily put out content everywhere yeah. as mm-hmm. much as you possibly want because it can yeah. just be a bunch of shit or you can be the good stuff. Yeah, because anyone can make content these days and even research, right? Like anyone can do research. Mm. You know, yourself, Danny, you were someone that started putting out content when I first got into training and um, I definitely consumed a lot of it, especially your podcast. So, you know, which is quite successful now. So tell us a bit about, you know, um, what got you started in the podcast world, when that was and where it's taken you now. (laughs) I was listening to, uh, I just started listening to podcasts myself and I think I had, there's maybe three podcasts I was listening to. One was um, Grant Cardone's podcast. One was Lewis Howe's School of Greatness and then the other one was Gary V. And on one, and I remember once I started listening to him, I kind of thought like maybe I should start a show. I Mm. wrote down in my notes on my phone, like what I would call it and had all this shit in my notes and just did nothing with it. And then on one of their episodes one day, they were talking about how like, you know, you just need, it would have been Grand Cutter and you got to take action. Like mm. don't wait till tomorrow to do shit you can do today. Or like, you know, if you want to do something, then fucking just do it instead of just continually saying you're going to do it and, and yeah. uh, procrastinating. So I listened to that. And then by the end of that day, I'd gone out, um, just bought like a cheap mic, created the podcast, read these blog posts from top to bottom, like step-by-step how to start a show, submitted my first three episodes to iTunes and that was it. And then since then, I put out at least an episode a week, every week. And like the first, fuck, I'd say probably 50, an absolute trash, a horrible. But I mean, like there's some good content on there. But I mean, listen, <laughs> like it's like anything. The more you do it, the the more you practice it, the better you get. So like yeah. there's no way I could go back and listen to some of them now. But <laughs> I'm so glad I did it because it's been whatever, like maybe over three years. I've done like about 260 episodes. Nice. And and I've had the opportunity to meet some incredible people, like network with people, awesome opportunities. Like I thoroughly enjoy it. I've been able to help people. It's helped grow my business. Um, 
obviously I've gotten a lot more comfortable with doing it. Like I remember when I first started, I would have like the whole show like scripted out in my notes mm-hmm. and, and then I would like pretend that I'm not reading it, try and make it sound <laughs> like I'm like, try and sound like I'm coming up with it. Um, Organic. Or like I'd record, mm. I remember one day it took me about two hours to record an eight minute episode because I fucked wow. up the same thing over and over again. And like anyone that was in the same apartment block as me would have thought that I'd murdered someone that day because I was like <laughs> going nuts. But um, yeah, it's been awesome. And then now, yeah, similar, like same thing, just consistent, like doing the same thing week in, week out, putting out content, a bit of a mix between guests and stuff by myself. But yeah, um, yeah it's very enjoyable. I love it. Because mm, I know, I know when we first started, you know, it's different to like a lot of other platforms. Because podcasts, you know, they were really new when you started, but they're mm. they're still relatively new. Like when you start an Instagram yeah. account, you sort of know what to do. Same with Facebook. But when we started podcasts, and Danny and I were like, sorry, like you said, there is no how to for dummies start a podcast or what to expect, and it's just mm. really winging it, isn't it? It is, and like, but it's it's exciting though because it's just growing and growing. Like, I had yeah. this, I went to this event last year where someone from Apple was at the event talking about podcasting, and they said that like oh. last year, um, podcast downloads had surpassed television streams worldwide for the first time ever, and that was, wow. and there was still only like, uh, I'm gonna make this number up, but say there was like ten <laughs> percent of the population had only 10% of the population had ever even heard of a podcast. Mm. So like when you think of it like that and it's already like blowing up that wow. much and, and, and the, as the busier you get as well, you don't really have as much time to sit there and watch a YouTube video for an hour or whatever, whereas yeah. you can put your headphones in, get on, get in the car, go to work, go for a walk, go to train and be listening and consuming content all the time. So it's um, yeah, it's, it's quite exciting. Yeah. Well, people are getting busier and busier and yeah. anything that Gary V says, he is right. I, I remember listening to him a few years ago when you jumped on and he's talking about podcasts and it took, yeah, Sherelle and I years later until only last year, we just started ours, but you just have to take action. Otherwise someone else will beat you to it. And for mm. anyone who wants to be successful in, in whatever they do, get over the fact that it might not be perfect because we're just learning and it's just not going start. to be just start it's not going to be mm. never will be but if you yeah the, what, the, i mean i feel like i've said this about a million times in the past couple of weeks because it's such it's so relevant but i said on a podcast once i think it was uh with the massive with um the massive joe's team oh, yeah. and um like if you're if you're not doing something because you're worried about failing or you're worried about someone saying no or being rejected or things not working out like the outcome of that happening is already a reality mm. like if you girls didn't ask me to do this show today because you were worried i would say no or you're worried about what i would think of the show well fuck whatever the reason is yeah the results still exactly the same we're still not doing a show but, yeah. but the chances of me just going yes is like is obviously so high and and most time it's going to work out. And even if it doesn't, like I said, it's already a reality. So like the worst case scenario has happened already. When you think yeah. of it like that, when you think of it like the fact that if I fail, I'm in the exact same position I'm in now, then it's a no brainer. That's really good. Mm. Yeah, Very so good true. gold nugget there. And I remember you saying, um, probably on your podcast or on your stories, I don't know, but you know, asking for the things that you want i remember you saying like you've been rejected so many yeah. times sliding into dms so you know what does that look like for you over the years yeah exactly that like just asking like reaching yeah. out and um and just not being afraid of people saying no and then following up and then just asking again and and also at the same time always offering value like never doing it for your own benefit without mm-hmm. having in mind what they're what they can gain from the the relationship i guess 
Um, you know, there's been a lot of the time people say yes. A lot of the time they say no. There's times where people will say, you know, get back in touch in a month. So I'll go into my phone and put in my calendar for that exact day a month later and I'll reach out again and say, <laughs> hey, you know, a month later you said this, but, and they'll be like, yeah, of course, or whatever it is. So, and then from that, there's a lot of shit that can come from that. Like, so when you ask, when you ask for something, if you don't ask for what you want, you'll never get it. So yeah. if you have asked and then, um, you know, maybe you go and do this podcast with someone and then they introduce you to someone else and all of a sudden this opens up the doors for so much other stuff, which has happened a lot with me not just with podcasting with other opportunities to um you know certain things which at the time even when you go for like a meeting or you, you have a coffee or you you reply to someone's message or whatever who is asking you for advice and you think nothing of it and then all of a sudden that could be an absolute game changer for you so you just never know so i mean yeah. always just be willing to if you're willing to fail you're willing to be rejected great shit happens mm, love it so in saying that what is next for you then what's on the cards um well continuing on with the theme of what we spoke about today much of the yeah. same like just continuing on like being consistent with the podcast i want to continue to build that as much as i can because i enjoy it and i just find like i said it's a great way to communicate with people um obviously continue to build my business and my brand with pt and online coaching like i'd love to to continue building that out particularly with online like in person i'm kind of at like a point now where i'm happy with the hours that I'm doing and, and don't necessarily want to run myself into the ground with that, but want to build out online a bit more. And then I'm actually launching a, uh, in a partnership with my, with my girlfriend, we're launching an e-commerce business later in the year, which is, which is in the industry. Um, so that's exciting too. Amazing. Something new, something new to um, focus on and new goals. And, but, but in the end of the day, like it's all, it's the same goals really. Like it's just yep. building out the same habits, being consistent with it and just knowing that the reason why I'm, at the point I am now is because I've been doing this for years and years and years. So there's no reason to stop. Amazing messages there. So good. Yeah. Awesome. So Danny, where can our audience find, um, find you or hear more about from you? Um, well, yeah, the podcast is probably a good place to start, which is the fitness and lifestyle podcast. Um, I post a fair, like fair bit of content usually on my Instagram, which is um, at DJK fitness. And then my website, but I mean like, is, yeah, website is, is a good place as well, I guess, mm. um, which is just dannykennedyfitness.com. But yeah, podcast, I suppose on the website, actually, you can sign up to my email list for free, which is I try and put out a lot of good content through my email list. Mm. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're probably the places you can find me. Yeah, amazing. And yeah, the Fitness and Lifestyle podcast was the first ever podcast that I uh, tuned into regularly and listened to and even got the privilege yeah, of being on myself. I learned a lot from Danny, um, as well as um, I subscribe to your emails as well. So it's I really love cool. how you put out, you know, easily digestible content, whether it is on the podcast or the email list, or obviously with your own clientele. And I think, you know, um, there's a lot of, a lot of room for growth for that sort of mentality and approach. So thank you so much for coming on. I know our audience will take so much from this episode and, you know, girls and guys, of course, if you did take anything from the episode, take a screenshot, tag myself, tag Danny one, tag Danny two, <laughs> and of course the level up podcast. Thanks for having me on girls. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much.